Welcome to Akashina Podcast Anime with Friends. We are back from our holiday breaks. How is everyone's holiday breaks? Delightful. Too short. No, sorry. Go ahead. What? Both, of mean, those are, both of those are valid. Let's start they're with both Don. accurate. Let's start with Don. He spoke first. Yeah. Uh, I said it was delightful. I very much enjoyed not working, spending time with my family, exercising a little. Um. Did we all bunker down and, and stay home or did, did we venture out into the winter storm land? Where, where would we venture? I, I, I was here in, um, where am I? I was here in wow. the Midwest. I <laughs> uh, went down to visit over Christmas. I visited my in-laws in Indiana, uh, which was, Woo! Exactly. I think that's an accurate description of what it was. Um, And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I was just suggesting that, like, there was a storm that, like, completely crippled travel. Oh, it was chilly. Actually, I did travel at the tail end of that storm, and it was quite bad. And there were a bunch of cars blown off the road. And what was normally a three-hour drive became a five-hour drive. But uh, we made it safe. Five hour drive. Five hour drive. Really old reference to a show no one probably remembers. Explain the reference, please. I don't get it. Oh, there's a show called Gilligan's Isle, and Uh, when there was when TV only had four channels, and they reran things. Once you got into reruns, you were set for life, baby. Is that the one about like the guy who goes to the island and like the people are really small? No, that's Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> yeah. But I love that you confused those. Uh, Gilligan's Island was just a bunch of people from dis- different walks of life were on the same cheapo travel boat that got caught in a storm and ends up marooned or shipwrecked on an island. And they have to learn to like, I mean, it was just an excuse. Like the fl- It was like a live action Flintstones in a way where like, they used all of these like little clever ways to bring like uh like like the islands the islands various I never like, watched a single episode of this show. I've never seen it really, but <laughs> <laughs> and, and I and I confuse it with something else. I think they probably a literary had classic. Co- I think they probably had yes. coconut bikinis. All of them. <laughs> I think that's true. I know there was actually. a person named Professor Howell, and then there was there was like two rich people, a, 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 like a Hollywood starlet, a skipper, and a captain. And I don't remember anyone else, but yeah, I mean, TV wasn't very good back then. But people think of it very. But people, it was the golden the age of TV because everybody watched it. That was the thing, right? Like, you know, nowadays if you get, I don't know, I'm making up a number, five million watchers of any show it's like that's amazing meanwhile back then like 30 million people would regularly turn in to like horrible tv no problem because there were like five channels or three there were really like three (laughs) whatever they made that's what you watch that's what it was there wasn't other things to do yeah it was it's true and if you were homesick like that's what you watched because it was that or talk shows like 
or or soap operas. There was like that or that. Like that's what they aired during the housewife time period block. Like the housewife while, while time kids period were block. at school and chores were being done. I'm not really sure what Days what of the Our plan Lives. Was. Um But yeah. Dallas? That wasn't a that wasn't that was a soap, night. Though. That was at night. That was at that night. That was a night show. We're a, we're dating ourselves. Time soap. How about yourself? I, before we well, actually, I want to go back. To I now pass it to Victoria and and you. Uh, what did you guys do? I went full recluse, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is like recluse, my dream. One hundred percent recluse. Yeah, pretty much. Like I, I just, um, I mean, aside from doing some volunteer work, I basically just stayed in, enjoyed not working, like played games, watched TV. Um, my friends and I watching a C drama, uh, Shining Just for You. For a long time, she's been telling me, like, it's like all the shoujo stuff you like, like, really, you should be watching C dramas because, like, they're the, they're like the same, but they have actual budgets, on, unlike the modern anime. And this was correct. I still sat on it for a couple of years, but I might be going through my C drama phase now. That's cool. That's cool. Kathy tried to get me into some of them, but they were, they were very period piece like, and I wasn't, I wasn't ready for all the 12 kingdoms and everything. Well, Raven of the Inner Palace helped me a lot. In a way, that was I was like, oh yeah, I know what this, I know what these like core positions are because of that anime. So that that was the bridge. Got it. Um, for those who don't know, C drama refers to Chinese dramas as opposed to J dramas, which are uh, Japanese dramas. And I guess they probably call them K dramas, but I don't actually. Yeah. Know. Okay. Good. Yeah, there was the whole there was that whole K drama boom and like. The 2000s, I think it was Winter Sonata that was like really, really big in Japan. So I have seen some of that. That's right. That's right. Uh, it was everywhere. It, yeah. Now now it's a faded memory. <laughs> As for me, um, I had a really chill uh, Christmas break, holiday break. I didn't, I didn't really do much. Uh, we went, I think that was the week before we went to see the Avatar Way of the Water movie. Uh, I rented a bunch of stuff. I think I watched all of the movies I missed, except for Tar, which was still not available for rent. But I watched a bunch of those things. Um, I can't remember. I, I know the Yule, ta- the Yule Log episode from Adult Swim was a personal high for me because I didn't know going into it that it was a full-length horror movie. <laughs> I, I, my friend just wrote me suddenly, out of the blue, my friend who's really big into horror, she writes me and it's like you have to watch this i was like and she's like just just watch it just don't stop watching it so i i turned it on and it's just a yule log and there's christmas music playing and then i don't know five minutes in i start hearing voices and then like a cleaning lady arrives and starts vacuuming and i was like okay this is getting different and i just kept paying attention to it and then uh like a couple arrive like i think the i think there's like a a murderer comes and like it's like it's like texas chainsaw massacre but not like it's all shot from the perspective of the yule log like it's a um you know it's like the the video camera is trained on the log so you don't see much of the core or anything but they like they they think they're gonna they think about burning the body and the fire and stuff and then eventually it just 
like crescendos into this madness where the log is like the Sam Raimi-esque like effect where it, it floats through the air and it takes the perspective of the log attacking people. There at one point you go inside the fireplace and there's like there's like a southern gentleman in there who's trying to trick people into coming into the fireplace and murdering themselves before they're born so they cease to exist. Very yeah. normal. Very normal. <laughs> I hope this is intriguing to somebody out there because to me this was like crack. You had like me at vacuuming. It just kept getting yeah, the vacuuming was <laughs> mm, the, it just kept getting more insane. And uh, it actually was well acted, and a lot of it was shot in one take. Uh, it does go for a wider shot later, though, because like this bro comes in, and it's like his thing. He he does Yule log videos, but then he they cut to like a, a wider shot so you can see more of the action, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, it's how are you exceding that? <laughs> I can tell when my audience, you two, aren't particularly going to rush out and watch this thing. Well, it does seem, I don't know, very seasonally specific. So it's hard to rush out and watch it. I don't I know. watch it in the summer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Christmas in July. I mean, they do do that sometimes in the United States. If you're listening from another country, it's very weird. We have this thing Christmas in July where they put Santa out in like a bikini or whatever. Oh, that's, I was going to say, isn't it like a Southern All-Star song? It very well could be. I, uh, I really Trying to Google this without going too off topic. Speaking of Japanese pop songs, uh, I I finally came around to Kawada Keisuke's song, uh, the one that's like really popular. I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It's Merry Christmas and Summer. That was it. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Not, I, it's not that one. It's the other one. <laughs> If I knew the title, I'm looking. At I have to look it up now because yeah, I, I don't know. I, ne- I never really bothered with Southern All Stars, despite the fact that I like plenty of other like corny bands from the time period. But his face has always messed me up. He's got I a face that all right. I couldn't get on board with the number of faces he makes. I have like two vivid memories of Southern All Stars, and one was hearing their cover of Morning Musume's Love Machine in a Japanese curry place on in New York that no longer exists, and going to a J-pop themed pop up cafe in 2003 in Japan in Tokyo, and whatever the song they had at the time was like the comeback single, and they were playing they were playing that as one of the videos, and that's it. That's it. Those are my memories. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I was just, I, I finally looked up the song. It's called White Lovers. Mm. Like they're covered in snow, Dawn. It's not yeah. weird. <laughs> Your face was like, <laughs> I mean, I got it, but just, you know. It sounds. If you throw that on your playlist, <laughs> people might be confused. Reminds me of the time that I was in Japan with you and we went to karaoke and you all started singing Melty Love and I was laughing and you're like, what? That's not funny. Melty Love, you know, it's like that love between two people where you melt. And I was like, yeah, I got it, but I'm still going to giggle because it was still funny to me because yeah. that's that's how I yeah. saw it. We, we became immune to that stuff, I think. I remember there was one place called Coffee and Swimming Pool 
and it was literally a swimming pool and you drank coffee and it was the weirdest combination of stuff. Oh, like the best great. I mean, it seems normal until you drop and Sylvie mistakenly drops their cup of coffee into it. And then that seems my favorite. <laughs> or, you know, like you're in the pool and coffee is a diuretic. So you have to go, you have to use the bathroom frequently. Actually, I think the, I think that the pool actually was, was not filled with water. Was it filled with coffee? What was it filled with? I wish it was filled with coffee. Was it an empty pool? I'm going to say it was filled with coffee because that's more interesting. Um, but my favorite place to get pizza was called Strawberry Cones. And my favorite pizza was the Manhattan Special, which was squid and uh, and corn and mayonnaise. Because those are things that you would use, you used to find on the Isle of Manhattan. Probably still can if you look behind a dumpster. Ugh. Ugh, I don't know if that's a squid. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of poetry, <laughs> I didn't even say the word poetry. I had meant to. I was thinking it mentally. <laughs> I segued from my own headcanon of how I described Kawada Keisuke's song, White Lovers. But John's joke was so good that I just went with it. But uh, this week's anime that we watched is actually it's supposed to be a movie that's an hour and 10 minutes a original animation video movie that was made uh it was created as a kickstarter after they had a successful 10 minute short movie for this long-running manga series that began in 2015 and finished in 2021 with 11 volumes uh, the first movie, Victoria, you're the only one of us who watched it. So if you wanted to just like give us the gist of it. The it has no minute... dialogue. Okay, that's <laughs> that's weird because I remember one of the things in the Kickstarter was that the original crew was coming back. And I thought that also meant cast, but I assume they had to cast voice actors after the fact. Yeah, my impression from the 10 minute film, it was, it was, it was that... And this is not like canonical, but it seemed like this was the testing ground so that they could get the funding to make something longer. It's it's very pretty. It's also it's also in comparison looks rougher than the final product that came out this year. That's interesting. Uh, the final product that came out this year, which is the the uh, the hour and ten minute movie that got split into three episodes for streaming. Um, which we I watched on Crunchyroll, but the the final product is still rough looking. the The art style it still looks like they did like they they kept the rough like um, sketch style illustration art, and they did watercolor over that. But not always just watercolor. Sometimes they used other techniques. I think, but the watercolor really gives it an interesting look, and it keeps changing from scene to scene, from like frame to frame, really. I'm not even sure what frame rate this is in because it 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 does look kind of like choppy at times, but I, I think that adds to the aesthetic. Did you guys what did you guys think of the visual look and feel of it? Uh, I mean, I, I assumed that all those artistic choices were deliberate and related to the it um, enhanced the or augmented the the themes that were underlying sort of the disassociation um, by the 
I don't even know what the main character's name was. It was never articulated. They don't give you his name. Oh, no. I thought, okay. I oh, are you talking about was. the tall man? I was taught. Yeah, that's a great. Let's let's use that. The tall man. Teacher, teacher is what. Teacher, that's, the girl. Yeah, well, teacher has, works. So. That's yeah. that'll work. Yeah, we can yeah. we can alternate between the two to keep people on their toes. <laughs> no, I like well, or, you know, <laughs> whatever. We shall call him Steve. No, that you know that's actually funny because when he was when one of the other characters was asking him his name. I was thinking, he could just make something up. He could just, like, say, I'm Steve. So it's funny that we all said on that name. Great minds think alike. <laughs> Great disturbed minds. Um, <laughs> so the storyline is doesn't seem that important, but it's actually truncated. It's an, it's an abridged <laughs> version of the manga story that kind of skips around according to uh, like research that I did after the fact, like I didn't actually read the manga because I didn't have access to it at the time. And it's 11 volumes. So, um, but supposedly it skips around, it hits book nine, it hits book six, it hits books nine, and it kind of rewrites the ending. The original ending does give you the character's name as well as like, it gives you a different interpretation of everything you've seen basically. It sort of tells you what the Shiva character really is. Now, if you guys don't know this and you're just sort of like tuning in to find out what this thing is, it I, I'm I'm gonna struggle a bit to kind of relay the story because to me the story wasn't that important. But uh, there are two worlds. There's the insiders, which was where the humans live, and then there's the outsiders where something else lives. Um and the humans keep getting this sickness, this curse passed from person to person. And uh, it seems like they ostracize people who become cursed and then they're put outside the inner circle. And so they're forced to sort of wander until they sort of lose all sense of themselves, forget, and eventually become trees, which, I mean, to me, that's just that could just be a metaphor for someone dying because you turn to soil, you know, your body decomposes, you, you turn to soil, you feed the roots of a new tree and it grows where you were. It's done instantaneously when it happens in the, in the very painterly way of the, of the anime. But I mean, we can infer some stuff about what's going on with these characters. They look like lost souls. Um, but they're not the only ones over there. There are other black creatures, which it would seem are not humanoid or did not begin as humans, but began as sort of nature's consorts of, or concubine. <laughs> That's not the right <laughs> word. No, <laughs> not right. They, they be, Thanks, they, you dramas. Yeah, they're, they're with, they're, they're like, Children, Children of, nature. of nature. There's a very good word for it. They call nature mother, I think. I mean, it could be that mother is something greater, but mother is sort of appears at the very end, not appears, but is sort of inferred and and uh, created on screen by just sort of like mood and uh, kind of humming singing sound. Um, but this creature finds this girl entirely in white with silver hair um, and takes her home with him. 
she looks like Kana from Inuyasha to me. <laughs> At first, I, when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, wow, this is very similar to that, that like girl that was that had the mirror in Inuyasha that was like one of Naraku's uh, bunshin, you know, one of his uh, split split bodies, split off bodies. <sighs> no Inuyasha fans here. Got it. Got uh, it. I read like I'm an Inuyasha fan. I just don't remember. You don't that remember much. Kana? I, I mean, I kind she's of very do. iconic. Uh, oh. I mean, like you knew we were gonna groan. You you did it deliberately. Victoria didn't groan. She's over even groaning at this point. No, I just I was just thinking that like I read the first three volumes of the manga when they were like first published in English. Um, I, I don't think I even got up to the main villain being introduced. <laughs> it's it's not it's not my personal favorite Takahashi series. Many Uruziats are a bitch, but yeah, I I don't think it's. I don't think it's even close to my favorite, but I mean, I enjoyed the ride, but I'm getting away from everything here. They, they go back to this house and there's the, the, the character that we were referring to earlier, sensei, teacher, sorry, let's call him teacher for just consistency's sake. It's teacher and Shiva and teacher, he wears gloves. He doesn't touch her. He's afraid of passing his curse to her. Um, He's very... I didn't think he always wore gloves, but he's very careful not to touch her. He's very tight-buttoned. You know, he's a very yeah. he's a very gentlemanly, statuesque character. Uh, I've seen this character in anime so often and this relationship so often between, like, a very, like, stoic, uh, like, father-type character... And a and a child who's a little bit more full of wonder, a little bit more free. Um, they're they're color coded black and white. I mean, it's there's very strong symbology here. And I've been talking too much about this, and I kind of want to go to you guys now. Um, tell me a little bit about the relationship and what you guys thought of the relationship between Sensei, teacher, and Shiva, the little girl. Let's start with you, Don. There's two ways to look at the relationship. And the first one is from teacher to Shiva, which is Shiva gives, or seems to me, gives teacher purpose. Um, I, there's, we don't have any sense of what Sensei was doing prior to um him shepherding around Shiva, but it's clear that he cares for Shiva. He wants to protect Shiva. He sees her as an innocent and wants to help her. And it, it helps connect him to the humanity that he's lost. Um, or at least that's my take on it. And I also feel like his character was uh, the, the easiest to understand from all the ones that we intersected with he's he's been made into he he claims he was formerly a human um and he carries around a locket um that shows a wife and child that he used to have um and he clings to that or was clinging to that we can come back to that particular topic um but he doesn't remember his name he doesn't remember 
his family. He doesn't know how he became what he is. Um, and he rejects the children of nature when they come speaking to him. Um, or at least initially he rejects them. What I, the, I was just going to say, yeah, what I ahead. really like about the what they do with the relationship is one of the most iconic, I thought, visuals was when he pulls an axe out of his bag because he doesn't want to touch her physically with his with his actual hand. He pulls an axe out and he holds the blade and he has her hold on to the handle. And you the, the immediate question, it, it's so innocent looking in a way, but also it's an axe. And you're wondering, why was this guy carrying around an axe, which you find out later, you know, he clearly has used before in aggressive manners. It's not just a tool he he uses for chopping wood. Uh, and plus he's dressed... Nor does he have any need to chop wood. <laughs> plus the wood would be... It, the wood could literally be his friend. He chops the wood, though. He chops it for the fireplace. I don't know that he was doing it before, yeah, but, he doesn't, but... Well, he wasn't doing it before because he says, like, you know, heat and cold have no concepts oh, to right. me. They're yeah. just... They don't even, they're not meaningful to me anymore. The only reason he's doing it is once again for Shiva. The only reason he sort of sets up house is because he's doing it for Shiva. Well, maybe that is, that is part of it then, is that, you know, this tool didn't have a purpose before, but now that she's in his life and is sort of giving him that purpose, it's one of those reminders. It's one of those things that suddenly found its purpose where before, you know, he was just carrying an axe, but he does right. Yeah, and the I, man. I mean, I think he does that... try to get a soul later in the movie. He tries to uh, attack a man in the forest. Uh, well, he stops himself right before he does it, but he's considering it very strongly. He, he definitely considers it, but what he would, first of all, what it means to take a soul in that context is really unclear. Like you can't hold a soul. What are you going to do? Bring it back. To Shiva, how is you have a soul bottle that I missed? Um, you got that in the third dungeon. Well, but you know, you you mentioned that the with the advent of Shiva, the axe then suddenly had a purpose. But really, all the things that we're used to using in daily life exist for the sake of humanity. And if you strip our humanity away, if you don't need to eat or Very sleep good. or keep yourself warm, these these objects have no meaning anymore. Um, True. So, and you know, so the more complicated thing for me was the picture of Shiva. Like, what was what was Sensei to Shiva? Because I I don't understand Shiva as well as I feel I understood Sensei, which I think is intentional by the writers. I didn't, and I I'd, I'd love to actually pass the baton to anyone else here to pick up um, what they think. They think uh, Shiva meant that the choice of her particular name and and how exactly she was cursed because I didn't that bit confused me. So this is not this is not necessarily accurate, but the impression I got from the 2019 short was that the other cursed creature that Steve, I mean Tiazer, meets on the bridge was the one who cursed her. I, I don't think I don't think you need I don't think you need that information for this movie though or expected to I 
I, I don't, I, I just, I didn't think it any, and the plot really mattered. It, it was kind of like a basis for cool, trippy stuff. It wasn't trippy enough for me. <laughs> it just didn't, it didn't go far enough for me, but I think that that's partially because it was on budget. You know, I don't think they could go as far as they wanted to with some of it. The best stuff was probably when the shadows were all creeping in and looming around them and the water effects and stuff when they go on the water. I thought, I thought it was quite beautiful. Like there are often different, different effects and different stylistic effects going on at this same time in a frame. Like you would have like, like she went bed and you see, you know, you see the light from the window and there's like a completely different effect on that than there would be in the rest of the frame. Uh, you know, some of the some of it looked like colored pencils. Like I thought, I thought it was. You know, I thought I thought it was pretty cool. It's not like a, it's not a huge commitment, but it is lovely to look at. Oh no, I would agree. I was just saying, if you were use, if we're using the word trippy, specifically, it didn't feel too trippy to me. I mean, it's like a six ten on the trippy scale. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> but that's probably trippier. For, that's probably trippy enough for most people. Yeah, but I'm a I'm a Belladonna sadness. Better, yeah, no, so. yeah, that that's the that's the standard bearer. That's the ten. <laughs> You've ruined us, Victoria. <laughs> we can't appreciate six levels of trippy. I'm just mid. looking for that next. Yeah, <laughs> very mid. Oh, um, I. I think that this is probably, I, I'm not probably because I kind of know some spoilers, but I think this is more fleshed out in the manga, but they didn't necessarily I'm, care. I'm sorry, spoilers? Like, are you going to tell us this stuff? Cause... I mean, I think that people might still want to read it without knowing <laughs> because it's not like I read it. I just know from seeing other people talk about it, what happens in the manga is different. And the nature of Shiva is slightly different than what it is portrayed as in the movie, which is not really given a clear definitive answer as to what or who she is. Although it implies that she came from one of the villages, right? From the inside. Yeah, from the inside. And they make it teacher makes some attempts to bring her back to those villages because he sees the limitations of how far he can take things. Although his pancakes improved, his pancake game improved <laughs> dramatically. dramatically. Yes. Those are some nicely animated pancakes. Like I thought sliding so off the plate. I was like, that looks fluffy and delicious. Yeah. It, um, I thought the stuff between him and her where they were just, sort of he was opening up again and sort of discovering lost muscle memory almost like how to be a caretaker i thought all that was really cool like all the stuff to like have a family and like take care of someone was there in the house but just sort of like covered with a sheet and and i liked watching as the warmth sort of like swept through the house and the child sort of brought this innocence back to it. And I really like the hide and seek scene. Yeah, it's really cool, right? Because children, you know, children in TV 
horror movies are often not quite right. Like they'll kind of make them too precocious or too innocent. And I think, I think this sometimes straddled that weird, that weird line, but, but she's also, she's also like an easily distracted kid who wants to play hide and seek. So it's like, okay, this, you know, I, I can, ex- I can accept Shiva as a, I can, and I can accept Shiva as a believable child. Yeah. I, I, I did very much love the presentation of Shiva. Yeah. She's a. St- I was just going to say though, she's a stone cold killer. Look at her. She, she makes the sound with the cabinets. So he thinks that she's hiding in there. And then she scampers off to a different location. She's a she's Machiavellian. <laughs> I guess I, I mean you're not wrong, but also little kids do that. I didn't think it was that. Did you guys think it worked that they broke it up into three for the streaming? I didn't really. No. I don't. I didn't think it worked <laughs> at all. I, I was I was confused because I had understood this to be a movie, and I'm like, why is this three episodes? There were no clear divisions either. It's like it just kind of ended because the episode would end because the time limit was up. Yeah, I think they probably tried to make it like somewhat close to where there was a break, but it just didn't really work. Didn't have like what we call the button in television talk. Although Maybe. it did get me to pay attention to the credits because I saw. Uh, Hana Ono, she's the direct. She was the director of the of this year's Puli 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 Mokar show. She was in it as like a special effect. Her, she and her studio were listed as like special effects people. Cool. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. I was like, I know, I know her, and it makes sense because this Mokar was heavier on special effects than the first season was, which I thought was a time limitation thing, and it may still have it may still have been, but it may have also been that that's that studio specialty. Don, any more thoughts on uh, on what we saw here? I mean, what does it all mean in the end? <laughs> like, I, I know you were a bit confused, well, so, so just tell me what you thought. I was very confused. I didn't understand, like, the child was cursed, but was not cursed in a way that appeared like she was going to turn into a vessel the way that the others were. And so extrapolating, ignoring that, exactly how was she cursed? We accept that she's cursed. We accept that Sensei recognizes that she was cursed and wants to help her. He brings her to the children of the forest or children of nature. um, And they escort him to mother or as close as you can get to mother. And he basically makes he he both offers her but says he wants to help her and you know he's he laments that he can only take from her and not give and then there's this weird scene where he both does and does not turn into a tree he offers her water from his bosom um <laughs> you didn't have to say it that way which <laughs> you just didn't have to yeah i mean you have to say it that way that's what he I does feel like and then the crowd here though it's like <laughs> she she takes the water, but then she's apprehensive and doesn't end up taking the water. So I guess the curse isn't broken. He doesn't, her curse isn't broken. He doesn't become a tree. They both leave. And then they wander off into the sunset of all places. Do you think they went home? Where would home to be? the house. 
or are they on to like yeah yeah i do think they went home to the house i thought there was a a like a scene at the end where you see the house sort of there and so the implication is that that's where they went yeah um i don't really know what happened exactly i i know that he wanted a soul and he was going to take it from the the woodsman who came knocking on his door but then the woodsman turned against him and saw him for what he for for the monster that he appeared to be and then this is important i think but the woodsman says he doesn't want to be cursed he uses a forest fire to warn the others who are nearby so and very dramatic and, and teacher watches him kill himself rather than get cursed so and and he can't take his soul if he's dead i guess so i don't know but What I'm I didn't quite speaking, understand is, is, is there a moment where teacher decided that he wanted to solve, he wanted to keep or, or provide for, I mean, he calls, he calls Shiva his light several, he, he calls her his light towards the end of the thing. And he sort of implies it before that, but because he sort of is darkness and he lives in dark, um, but he calls her his light. And it seems like if he really was concerned about her, he could have let her go with the woodsman because he was originally seeking out people to. to but at the to. time he encountered the woodsman, he knew already that she was cursed in That's some way. That's what I didn't understand. When did that happen? It happened at the end of episode two when the wandering knight who had been cursed, I believe, by Sensei, um, wandered into our field of vision and into the field where, um, what's her name, where uh, Shiva was, and started to approach Shiva, I think to protect her. He said that he wanted to like save yeah, her yeah, or yeah. something. But regardless, he then turns into a tree and she recognizes that he's a tree. And then... Um, sensei is expressing concern for her and she says, you know, something already happened to me, um, a long time ago. And he's like, you don't have to say it, don't say it or something like that. But that's when he learns. And that bit is confusing to me. Right. Because she supposedly knew the villagers at one point. Like she kind of like says, that's where they all are. That's where they've been. They've been these trees around. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but she never turned. So. (laughs) I assume that's in the manga. That's what I think too. Knowing what I know of her name, of what her true nature is. Um, Yeah. I just, I don't, I just broadly took it as like, a metaphor for accept, accepting mortality or possibly even terminal illness and just kind of you know, accepting that you can't change the outcome, make the best of it, which I'm a, I'm a sucker for that kind of story. Like you could sell me that, that ending to me in like 30 different flavors and I'd eat, takes, I'd eat them all, except for the ones I'm allergic to. 
<laughs> taking the metaphor, taking the metaphor to into weird places. Too yeah. far, too far. No, that's a good point, Victoria. And I was just thinking about how this story would work if it were grounded in reality, and if this child was terminally ill, and this teacher had like offered her his liver or something to cure her that would have or his last kidney or i don't know something that would <laughs> he can't live without his heart and if she gets it he she lives and if she doesn't she will eventually die you know on a shorter timeline and if she chose like at the end there that that could be a very similar type of feeling at least I'm actually reminded, I just watched the movie Flatliners, 1990, Joel Schumacher, Jan de Bont as the director of photography. Very weird movie. Uh, everything is bathed in neon light. It it has this like medical school that's also in like an art museum. And they do the cadaver stuff in like poor lighting in a basement, like with giant Baroque paintings all around them. And like this like, <laughs> basilica style like floor with like giant like amazing demonic looking statues i remember this movie but i never watched it's, it it's really good but my point is when they were talking about like how they approached it like the writer and the and the director of photography were like you know, Joel Schumacher had some ideas about that this was this was a story about AIDS. But then they were like, but we didn't really see it that way. We thought it was more, you know, these kids crossing the the line of like God and kind of like looking for the last frontier of their generation. So like it's about kids who are not kids, but like it's about young med students who are uh, who go further and further they get in a competition to see who can like breach death by like inducing yeah. inducing flatlining or you know inducing a heart attack to create a flat line but they protect their, they it, they they use a convoluted story method to protect their their brains from brain damage they address that early what, on. what i love about this particularly just to interject is this is such a 90s movie where it's like we didn't have bigger problems to deal with like society wasn't falling apart so like people were basically daring themselves to do the stupidest junk imaginable all right no, but i was going. just saying that like the theme of it being like that young people and it's funny because the young people in that movie are like those fucking boomers <laughs> and they're still fucking saying that today it's crazy but they're applying that to the same generation, basically. We'll never let it calling, go. It was calling the previous generation boomers. And then the boomers are calling people who are not millennials, millennials. So nobody's <laughs> getting the generations right. Anyway, the, the convoluted point I'm trying to make is that uh, you can apply a lot of different, <laughs> a lot of different metaphors to this movie, probably. But in on its on its surface, I don't think it's that deep. Uh, I think that it's, I think maybe the manga goes farther, but to me, this was just uh, about this guy coming back, getting like pulled back, pulling back his humanity through this relationship with this girl, trying to do everything he can to, to save her. But then she rejects that. 
and just wants to be with him. And it turns out they kind of have more of a symbiotic relationship than it appeared originally. There's more equity or equality between the two of them. Like, it's not just that he's receiving from her. He's also trying to be the best version of himself to give to her as well. And that's kind of where it ends. I mean, I it's it's a happier ending. I think. I think that's a good take. Yeah. I mean, if you guys are interested in a movie that's like really pretty and just is a really nicely told story, I a hundred an hour and 10 minutes is not a lot of investment. So, you know. Although it is broken up into three episodes. Better. <laughs> so that's like 15 minutes at tops. Yeah, if you watch all the credits. <laughs> you don't have to. If you watch all the credits and listen to the whole song, which does get better as it goes along. But, you know. But eventually you get to see Hanono's name come up. And if you watch it, and if you watch all three, you get to see her name three times. That's this what is I was... absolutely of interest in nobody but me. Yes, that's what I was thinking. I was like, that's the only reason why you would sit through the credits three times unless you were in the production yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, this was this was a fun watch, and I hope that people will check it out. It's at least different again. That's what we do here on this show, though. And it's better than sitting through Babylon, which which has its moments has its Boogie Nights style Wolf of Wall Street moments, but is is kind of interminable. It just never ends. It's, it's a new movie that came out over Christmas. It flopped. I hate I hate how people talk about movies as in their success, but in this case, I'm just kind of happy that it didn't didn't get embraced. I mean, it's, now it's become kind of like a it's the new Damien Chazelle movie. He did La La Land. He did Whiplash. So very beloved director by a certain sect of people. Uh, of which sometimes I am in. Uh, he also did First Man, which I really liked. But this one, I just found it, like, I, sometimes a director just doesn't know how to end their goddamn movie. Doesn't an elephant shit on the camera or something? I don't remember the shit. I, I would have really liked that. I would have really liked that. <laughs> okay, that's... You, you just want to be shot by an elephant? It's like my, you know, my childhood dream. <laughs> I missed the first five minutes, I think, because uh, okay, that's we went to the when... wrong theater, and we try we got in like an argument with some people about our seats, and then suddenly <laughs> the wrong movie starts playing, and we're like, "Oh, well, <laughs> just kind of jazz hands, you know." <laughs> Keep going, <laughs> do um, what you were doing. <laughs> but yeah, it, the most interesting part about that movie was that um, it's about sort of like when the silent era was like all punk rock and they were shooting like 12 movies at once on a desert lot. And it was absolute bedlam and chaos and whatever the hell worked, worked and whatever didn't work. Like people weren't even trained. They were using like sharpened actual weapons and almost killing each other and sometimes killing each other in these epic battles. And everybody was drunk. Nobody knew what they were doing. And then they went to like the, the, the era of talkies where they had to go to sound stages and they had to do things over and over again because they hadn't figured out the whole sound thing. How do you get sound on there without catching all the other stuff that's happening? So they like lock the sound, they lock the, the, the direct, the, the uh, camera guy in this like 
hot box in a hot box studio where they can't run an air conditioner, but they have to have all these lights and they need quiet now. So they can't be out in the open air of the desert. Like all of that is so funny and so good. And uh, Margot Robbie just eats in that movie. It's fantastic, but it has a long third act that just keeps going. And then it starts showing clips of Avatar and you're like, what is happening? Seriously, clips of Avatar. Can't make your point without that, I guess, Damien. <laughs> Cross-advertising the movies. I know people are going to be like, this is the one thing people are going to react to that I've said. Like, I can shit talk the la- the ending theme of, this, of the girl from <laughs> the other side. Did I even ever say the name of the movie? <laughs> no, you didn't. No, I'm pretty sure we did in the beginning. Okay, good. good. Did we? I... So I just, I'm thinking... You got to dub it in, if not. I'm just trying to think about the girl from the other side and whether that title makes me... Because now we've got the inside and we've got... Did they refer to it as There's outside? There's two sides in the in the Japanese. There's the, the one that's like inside and the one that's outside. It and, also has... A, the sorry. word they mean, use is specifically the girl from the outside. So it's like, okay, that's helpful. It's like, she's one of the ones from the outside. She's like a child of the forest or nature, but, but also is not, I don't know. It probably refers to the fact that she's found out there. And that's, that's where we see her in the movie. It also has an Irish subtitle. Not like sub, like the, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I think it's the movie. The movie does. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It's it, it means foreign person or something, right? Oh, Gaijin. Got it. <laughs> it's a dirty word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to have to deal with that so much in the spring. When yeah. I go to Japan. <laughs> yeah, good luck. I I'm planning a Japan trip this year too. Oh, you should go in the go in the spring. I'm planning to um I'm planning to go to, I, I'm trying to like get to a hot spring with monkeys. That's my plan. That's all I really care about. And you if know, an getting, elephant getting shit on by an elephant spring, and a hot spring with monkeys. There you go. Yeah. That's what I was going <laughs> Commune with nature. Three aren't on the same page. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Filthy minds. Uh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even make, I didn't even make my dirtiest, my dirtiest joke. I was making about the movie. You want, you want me to, um, like when when he was, when there was that scene toward the end where she's like pulling open his chest, I was like, that kind of looks like goatsy. Oh no! <laughs> was, and then this just says more about me than anything else. But <laughs> Don's checked out. Don yeah, no, I, I was like, what's, what's the worst thing I can possibly say that? <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, the next thing we're doing. I, I don't know. This made this made this made movie you watched sounds like we should jump into that before we go to the big O. Oh, so it's actually that's not a. Oh, it's not movie. a movie. That's, that's a, a TV. series. Yeah, I'll keep a made war uh, was something that people were raving about in fall from like the first episode they aired. I was just dismissive of it the whole time because I thought it was going to be like a fan service fest, like you know, maids with guns. It's you know there are going to be pants shots and such, but you know people kept praising it and putting it in best of lists. So I'm like, all right, let me check this out. Like it was on the list of people whose opinions I like really trust. 
and it's it's so funny it's <laughs> it's 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 like it's basically it's a yakuza movie but about warring maids wait it is a movie and, well it's not it's a tv, yeah, no, it's a TV no, show it's, but it's oh, like no, a i get you i get you i'm yeah. sorry it's yeah. a yakuza yeah. themed enterprise right. but maids yeah and it's it it's it just takes this stupid joke and runs with it like it's not as far as i can tell from five of the in it's not some like deep biting satire it's just taking two things that don't belong together and seeing what they can do with that it's like you have a there's a scene in the first episode where it's it's like you know it's it's like a like a scene where like somebody's fingers getting cut off to prove their loyalty except She's getting she's getting her pigtail cut off and she screams like she's losing a finger. That's amazing. And, <laughs> and, and if that sounds funny to you, then you'll probably vibe with it. That's cool. Uh, the next series we're doing is Big O, which is sort of a mixed bag, but uh, it's going to be interesting kind of digging into because um, it's almost fun to talk about how it fails. <laughs> Uh, I I think there's so many things that are ticking boxes that I like within it that I'm going to have a lot of like fun talking about it. But at the same time, I do see its weaknesses where it seems like there's a lot happening, but there's nothing happening. <laughs> like it, I like no character stories are moving forward in a lot of episodes. No, like, like, <laughs> It's just cool. It's really selling cool, it. Cool, man. <laughs> no, it is cool. Yeah. And and I love the world building in it. Like there's a lot that I like and I think that there's, you know, like um once you're sort of on its vibe, I kind of dig it. So, we're going to talk about it. I don't know if we're going to do the second season yet, but we're going to talk about the first season. And uh yeah, it's going to be about four episodes, I think. And I hope you guys tune in because, you know, this is one that a lot of people maybe watched, but probably don't remember much of. Because <laughs> it didn't have the legs that Cowboy Bebop does, even though they're very similar in sort of how they vibe. Same studio. Same studio. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that its failures or its successes are due to like sort of a crass commercialization that was forced upon them. Like it is the dorkiest looking robot. It has giant piston arms. Like, I think that's kind of, it also is not very maneuverable. It doesn't get around very easily. No, like I will, I do look forward to making fun of it in quite a few instances. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, coming off of like a couple of other sunrise giant robot shows namely escaflone and the latest gundam which from mercury which is like the only one i've watched of my own will um yeah i was like oof these look pretty clunky but but then i realized they're just they're kaiju battles like tokusatsu shows Basically, and once yes. i you know once i accepted that uh, it, i was able just, to it's also it. just cool and analog like you can feel like you know how like People are always like, oh, Pacific Rim is just Evangelion. It's like, yeah, it's Evangelion. But, I mean, look at that sliding circular thing he uses for the piston punch in Big O. 
Yeah, but it's so cool. Like I think it's fucking great. It's like it is, it is, it is the best shot. I did like that. It is. It's also kind of a parody of Batman the Animated Series in some ways. Hmm. So it's going to be fun to talk about, even though sometimes it's a little clunky. Uh, but I think that people might be on board with that because like, you can't like everything all like a hundred percent all the time. Way to sell it. Man. Giving me Raven of the Inner Palace vibes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's I think that's better than the big O, but that's that's gonna be the tagline on like it's Blu-ray the review, you know, better than the big O, Victoria. That's, that's how we got on there. That's how we got on there finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Who would be like, I'm gonna buy it then? All right, everybody. It's been a blast. Um, you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. I'm, I wanted to tell you about a couple of things that I'm going to be in. Uh, <laughs> I, I was working hard last year on a lot of things. Actually, almost from 2021. Or, yeah. But uh, some of the things that I'm working on are finally coming to fruition. One of them is on our network, the Moonshot Podcast Network. We have a brand new show called additional postage required and it's about a space mailman mail person who gets these vibes off of these letters by touching them and sees glimpses or hears glimpses of future events and things gets kind of like a glimmering or whatever a shinning <laughs> the shining you know what i mean and uh and then kind of has misadventures and it, it's it's science fiction and it's written by Jay and Chris, both friends of the show. So um, I have a small part in it. I have a two-episode run as Dr. Melodica Bennings. And this comes out uh, mid-January. So that's going to be really cool. So everyone should check that out. And uh, Victoria, are you still um, streaming your games on the regular or uh, virtual? I mean, I wasn't streaming them on the regular in the first place, but... I'm around sometimes. Cool. <laughs> uh, the last thing I was streaming were the randomized Link's Awakening playthroughs. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's neat. That's... Although I'm going to do another online tournament for Virtual on, on the 21st, but like in East Coast Standard Time, that's going to start at like 6 a.m. So, <laughs> Well, our, our fans our fans will make the, the effort, Yeah, Set right? an alarm. Yeah. <laughs> Don, anything to plug? No. All right. Just this show. Glad you're listening. <laughs> All right, great. Stuff. Great stuff. As we say at the end of every show. <laughs> I honestly thought you were frozen. I was just trying to think of a symbol of like a, a symbol to go. I I thought maybe everyone would like start saying it and then I would say it. But... <laughs> oh, no, I was I thought it was just like yeah, dance, I was, I was just like, watching you. Or yeah. dance like pause and wait for one of them to like give the cue to like start up again. <laughs> That's what I was going. We're we're slowly becoming Spinal Tap over here. <laughs> Okashiku. E. Yo. I mean, maybe.
Riley. Yeah, Andrew. Do you want to make a podcast ad? I, I do, but what would we mention? So I think that we could probably put together an ad for a show called The Podcast Minds. Uh. There, but for the grace of pod, go we. You know, it's a podcast where we both pitch each other podcast ideas instead of doing one ourselves. Yeah, it's a podcast pilot pitching project. Totally. It's We should mention that it's a comedy show, right? Where we throw out ideas like getting weirdly deep into the themes of Jumanji. Is that one a podcast? No, no. Uh, I, I it's, a, it's a podcast idea that is actually a front for me to talk to you about hyperfixations I got. Oh, that's uh, most of the things that you hit me with. Uh, what about instead if we just talked about all the different ways you could do a rewatch of Lost? Oh, that sounds like you just did what I did, but <laughs> you said it in a positive voice. Okay, and along the way, what if we pitched ideas like, I don't know, Epic Rap Battles of Mystery, the Lin-Manuel Miranda podcast? Listen to the podcast minds. There before the grace of pod, go we on your podcatcher of choice on the Moonshot Network. Hi-ho! Hi-ho! Every Friday. Hi there, my name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice. of all time this is champs in the making a pokemon bracket podcast where we take every one of these creatures in the pokemon video game franchise put them in a bracket together and find out which one the best one is starmie gives me like organic free range gluten-free like fidget spinner energy swallow can swallow a tire hole in one gulp ladybug looks like it is ready to give you so many high fives with each of its little mitten hands <laughs> i don't like weird ears face it's got a big testicle for a nose, for sure. I think Vito King's favorite beer is PBR. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Champs in the Making, a Moonshot Network podcast about Pokemon. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or first at patreon.com slash moonshotnetwork.